Hi, I'm Michael Rappaport. And I'm Kibi Rappaport. And together we're hosting Rappaport's, Rappaport's Reality, Reality Podcast. Podcast. We have a passion for reality TV, and we're inviting you into our living room. We're dissecting the drama, and we're giving praise to the single greatest form of entertainment on television today. That is right. Reality TV is the greatest form of entertainment on television today. Listen to Rappaport's reality with me, Kibi Rappaport. And me, Michael Rappaport, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcast. I'm Scott Weinberger, journalist and former deputy sheriff. In my new podcast series, Cold-Blooded, I'm embedded in the cold case investigation into the death of firefighter Billy Halpern. Experience this investigation in a truly unique way, untangling secrets that may reveal the answers to not only one case, but almost a dozen. Listen to Cold-Blooded, The Apollo Jim Murders on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Imagine you're a fly on the wall at a dinner between the mafia, the CIA, and the KGB. That's where my new podcast begins. This is Neil Strauss, host of To Live and Die in L.A., and I wanted to quickly tell you about an intense new series about a dangerous spy taught to seduce men for their secrets and sometimes their lives. From Tenderfoot TV, this is To Die For. To Die For is available now. Listen for free on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. I used to have so many men. How this beguiling woman in her 50s... She looked like a million bucks. ...scams a bunch of famous athletes out of untold fortunes... Nearly $10 million was all gone. It's just unbelievable. Hide your money in your old rich men, because <laughs> she is on the prowl. Listen to Queen of the Con, Season 5, The Athlete Whisperer, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. From UFOs to ghosts and government cover-ups, history is riddled with unexplained events. You can turn back now or learn the stuff they don't want you to know. Previously on Stuff They Don't Want You To Know. Stay away from that dynamite. It's gonna blow. The movie of terrorism must be stopped. But what if someone tried to censor pants? Hey guys, it's Jonathan Strickland. I'm from Tech Stuff, and I'm still in this room with you. Yes, this is part two of our episodes. Let's uh, just hop in, Matt. What yeah, you yeah, you know who we are. I'm Matt. That's Ben. This is Jonathan. We're having a great time, and it's getting hacky and kind of North Korea-y in here. Yeah. Another thing to remember about this, uh, something else that, that doesn't necessarily point the finger at North Korea, but to show the magnitude of this attack, it wasn't just the information was stolen. They wiped computers at Sony Pictures. Right. So people who came into work on that Monday, I read a re- uh, an interview with a guy. Mm-hmm. He wasn't named, but he was an uh, employee of Sony Oh, Pictures. the aftermath of Sony. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yep. Where he said, yeah, we come into work on Monday. We turn on our computers. We're working. Suddenly all the computers go black. We figure there's just some sort of network error or something. We realize that there's a real problem and we go home. Not thinking it's a big deal because it was the week of Thanksgiving, which yep. is a holiday week here in the United States. Right. So they went home thinking, oh, well, we'll just come back and it'll just be an extra long holiday. We hooray for us. <laughs> they come back the following Monday. There's still problems. And then they realize there could be a lot of personal information about the employees of Sony that was wrapped up as part of this attack. And it could involve things like insurance claims, just really personal stuff that could impact real human beings who have real lives. Social security numbers. (laughs) Yeah. 
Yeah, social security numbers. Uh, that means that opens the door for possibility of uh, medical information. And I have a little bit of a theory about this stuff, but I'm going to hold it till we get through the rest of the story. Okay. On December 4th, North Korea officially denies any involvement in the Sony hack. Like Shaggy, an MC, uh, some of the older members of our audience may remember, he said, it wasn't me. No, right. he said, he said, it wasn't me. Wow, that's not bad. Hey, you know Shaggy, right? uh, formerly a Marine as well. Whoa. What? I didn't see that coming. Get on the ground. <laughs> it okay, wasn't sorry. me. <laughs> uh, but this, uh, these leaked emails are still coming out. Journalists are all over this, scouring the documents. Uh, the spokesperson, now remember, we said that uh, December 4th, right? North Korea officially says it wasn't me. And uh, December 8th, however, a spokesperson for North Korea says the cyber attack might have been a righteous deed of supporters and sympathizers, but it wasn't directly linked to us. Right. Which is very similar to some of the stuff we've heard from state-sponsored cyber attacks via Moscow, Mm -hmm. via Beijing, um, and I'm sure that I'm, you know, I'm sure that Uncle Sam's doing a couple too. Stuxnet anybody? Oh, I mean, yeah, come on. Yeah. Hey, that was officially not the United States. Uh-huh. <laughs> right. That's or, the old plank in the eye thing. Like get the speck out of your eye, yeah. but there's a plank in mine. Yeah. Right. Uh, so this continues though. Yeah. And then on December 9th, there was a message posted to GitHub, which was allegedly from the Guardians of Peace. Mm. Now. It is extremely difficult to verify whether or not an, an anonymous message like that is from the same person that the, posted the other anonymous thing. This is, I, this is like attributing anything to the group anonymous. Right. Yes. Where, where anonymous itself is not a cohesive group with a single leader. It's actually a sort of amorphous semi organization. And you could even have one group of people within that organization want to do something sure, and the like rest may not set. even be into it. Yeah. yeah. Exactly. So, well, in that light, since we're not sure if this message came from the same people right, that right. you did the voice of, yeah. Ben, would you mind doing a, you know, an like evil a, voice or like an evil voice or however you want to spin it? Stop immediately showing the movie of terrorism, which can break the regional peace and cause the war. See, I added that C <laughs> at the end. We know nothing about the threatening email received by Sony staffers, see? But you should judge wisely by yourself why such things are happening and who's responsible for it. You, Sony, and FBI cannot find us. Amazing. So, so this, this supposed mm-hmm. representative of Guardians of Peace denies knowledge of a previous message, also supposedly from Guardians of Peace. Right. But it's also for the first time in the messages from these guys saying, stop the movie of terrorism. It does not say the interview. Right. Yeah. Um, but it's specifically talking about a movie. It also says stop immediately showing and the movie hadn't right? come out yet. Right. Uh, December 10th, though, they get this message gets a little bit of street cred courtesy of Joe Demarest, uh, assistant director for the FBI cyber division. Yeah, he was talking at a cybersecurity conference when he said, quote, there is no, this is on December 10th, quote, there is no attribution to North Korea at this point. And he's speaking of the attack, uh, the Sony hack. Right. And it's been described by a private security firm named uh, FireEye as an unparalleled, well-planned crime carried out by an organized group for which neither SPE nor any other companies could have been fully prepared. So that's Sony Picture Entertainment. Yeah. Yeah. So they say there's no way to prepare for this sort of level, uh, this sort of cyber tsunami. But they also discussed how they were criticizing Sony for their security. 
Yeah. Um, they were saying that there were a lot of back doors and, and essentially little, uh, let's just, I don't know if you call them loopholes, but, uh, fairly easy ways of gaining access. Sure. I mean, back doors is probably the best way of putting sure. it. Like the, the two things you've got to worry about with your, your online security is just the value of the security system and then the value of the people who use it. Right. Those are the two yeah. elements. Well, we know that. For instance, with I love that you brought up Stuxnet earlier, yeah. because one of the things that was abundantly clear about Stuxnet this this was um, this was a program most likely created by Israel and the United States working together, right? And what it did was it altered the speed of centrifuges, I yeah, believe, in right? a nuclear processing right, facility in Iran, and yeah. uh, and then screwed up the entire nuclear. Uh, facility, or at least the process of refining this, those computers, however, were offline, which means that the only way that Stuxnet could be introduced into that system would be what via USB drive, maybe yeah, thumb thumb drive of some sort, mm-hmm. or uh, some other some other physical delivery system, which would mean getting physical access to those machines, which would mean either infiltrating the uh, the system entirely, uh, as in having a like a cover agent going in and becoming sure. part of this or more likely using social engineering to get access uh using just simple lying to people it's really easy if i walk into a company and i mm-hmm. tell a an overworked receptionist that uh, I'm there because uh, there was an IT issue that, I, and I need access to a certain floor. Mm-hmm. More nine times out of ten, I get that access. You really? Know? He does oh, it yeah. all the you time. You do, John? Yeah. <laughs> well, me personally. <laughs> Why do you think I'm not at my desk so much during the day? Hey, what happened to the old janitor, buddy? <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, like, uh, that's that's a really good point. That the human element is often going to be what compromises a system. Sure. And we also know uh, that Seth Rogen and James Franco, of course, have some stuff to say about this. I mean, I don't know if they still get paid if the movie doesn't come out the way it was supposed to. Um, I Yeah, I don't know if the full contract was released in the hacks. If it was, I have not read it. I just talked about the money that they made for the films. But uh, one thing I do know is that they went on Howard Stern's show on the 15th of December. Mm-hmm. And in discussions with Mr. Stern, uh, I just wanted to read this one quote from Seth Rogen. He says, I can't do an impression of Seth Rogen. Man, I wish I could. All right. I believe in you, dude. He says, now no one has definitively told us that North Korea is who did that. One day I'm like, it's for sure them. And the next day I'm like, there's no way it's them. It seems too, it seems too savvy of Hollywood politics. And he's speaking as a producer of the film. Right. Um, you know, and director and writer. And when they were talking about this stuff, they were just speaking about some of the more insider information that was leaked. And yeah. why would they leak all of that stuff? Why would North Korea care about that? Right. Why, why would North Korea be aware that that itself would be the key to, uh, to causing action to happen? Mm-hmm. Especially since North Korea didn't if it were if it was in fact North Korea and the interview was in fact the reason for it why wasn't that ever part of the messaging at the, the initial beginning? messaging yeah right why does the messaging seem to evolve and uh, speaking of evolving we know on December 16th they upped the stakes and specified the interview itself when they said that movie theaters showing this feature would be attacked and I quote here 911 style that is yeah. what they said and that i mean if you want to hit a hot button like nerve yep 
in in the American psyche. Right. That's all you have to say. And as John Stewart said, I had no idea that was a style. Now, right. Well, That's, and yeah, and yes, and then you you go back to our recent memory. You think about the Batman shooting at right. a movie theater yeah, sure. in Colorado. So, yeah, and you just it kind of conjures a lot of images. For well, yeah, there there have been actual acts of terror, depending upon you know how you look at at the definition. But there have been acts of terror that have taken place inside uh, uh, movie theaters. In the United States. Mm-hmm. And so this was a very evocative kind of message. And it's one right. that a lot of companies took very seriously. Oh, yeah. For, for understandable reasons. I mean, there was a lot of backlash for the re- for their, their actions. That action being mm-hmm. that Carmike, uh, theaters be- uh, began to cancel screenings of the interview. And that was followed right. by every other major, uh, uh theater chain to the point where it looked like the only place you were going to see the interview for a while was going to be in these tiny little independent art house theaters, which is the weirdest thing in the world. This is a major (laughs) film from a major motion picture studio that would only get seen in art house picture, uh, art house theaters. And then you don't even get that. So Sony announces the cancellation of the whole theatrical release. And mind you, this is after Carmike uh, begins, sets off that domino effect. Yeah, after they canceled the premiere on December yeah. 18th. Right, right. And yeah. not only did they announce the cancellation of the theatrical release, they went further than that. They said that there, this movie would not be released in any format that's for, right. For at least the the foreseeable future. So they were saying at that time, they were saying it's not going to come out in video on demand because a lot of people said, why don't you just release it video on demand? Right. Yeah, they can't attack us all 9-11 right. style. And they, yeah, they're not going to come into Sorry. our homes. Uh, but there's there's not going to be that you you could or you could do it as uh, you know DVD or Blu-ray. But they were saying no, we have no plans to release this film mm-hmm. in any form. And uh, Reddit even banned a couple of users. That's how you know stuff's getting real yeah. for uh, sharing some leaked documents. And I think for possibly trying to find the the actual interview. The, the actual movie. Mm. Um, so, so yeah. remember back on the 10th, the mm. FBI said there is no link. No attribution. Right. Then on the 18th, um, and I hate to use this quote, mm. anonymous White House officials, but that's how the Guardian reported it. Um, anonymous White House officials say that the U.S. has evidence that the hack was coordinated by North Korea. Now there's some words in there yeah. that they're a little vague, I think, on purpose. Well, yeah, right. coordinated could mean that North Korea could have been essentially the, the if you want to think about it, the money behind the attacks. Right, the EP of right. the attack. And then they essentially hire out or contract out hackers, possibly mm-hmm. in some place like China or Russia, where sure. we know there are a lot of state-sponsored hackers and already, um, and use them to perpetuate this attack. And then yet still could come come out and say, hey, we didn't do it. Right. And we see – and what's funny about the statement too, I I think you make a great case for the word coordinated. Hi, I'm Michael Rappaport. And I'm Kibi Rappaport. And together we're hosting Rappaport's Rappaport's Reality Podcast. Podcast. We have a passion for reality TV, and we're inviting you into our living room. We're talking tea, we're dissecting the drama, and we're giving praise to the single greatest form of entertainment on television today. That is right. Reality TV is the greatest form of entertainment on television today. Here are some examples of what you'll hear from us on Rappaport's Reality Podcast. 
This is where we discuss all things reality TV, all things popular culture. And a little bit of Rappaport's reality, the reality of bit. us. We're a figuring out. And if we had been recording these last four or five days, Ooh. it, it would have been, been the juicy. podcast would have taken a, a, a left turn. Listen to Rappaport's reality with me, Kibi Rappaport. And me, Michael Rappaport, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcast. Hey, girlfriends, it's me, Carol Fisher. I'm so excited to tell you about the brand new series of The Girlfriends. In season one, we told you about the murder of Gail Katz at the hands of my ex-boyfriend, Bob. At one point, a woman's torso washed up on Staten Island and was misidentified as Gail. She spent nine years in Gail's grave, and then she just disappeared. It's almost like it's become this moral obligation to find her. And that's what we're going to do. Find this missing girlfriend and tell her story. With the help of some of your favorite girlfriends from season one, like my producer, Anna. Oh, my God. My friend, Dr. Mindy Shapiro. Hi, it's Dr. Shapiro, and I'd like to speak with the deputy medical examiner. And of course, Gail's sister, Elaine Katz. Having no closure, it kills you. Join us as we try to solve a 35-year-old cold case. It's not going to be easy, but it's going to be one hell of a ride. (gasps) What? I can't believe this. Listen to season two of The Girlfriends, Our Lost Sister on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Scott Weinberger, journalist and former deputy sheriff. In my new podcast series, Cold-Blooded, The Apollo Jim Murders, I'm embedded in the cold case investigation into the death of firefighter Billy Halper. Just a shame, you know, that they took him from us. Experience this investigation in a truly unique way, knocking on doors, uncovering new evidence, including the DNA of a potential killer. Uh, my name is Danny Smith. I'm a detective uh, with Miramar Police Department. This is Scott Weinberger. We're actually reopening an old case, and your name came up. Untangling secrets that may reveal the answers to not only one murder, but almost a dozen. I thought they were going to kill me, so I kept my mouth shut and I didn't say anything. All these years, I didn't say anything. Listen to Cold-Blooded, The Apollo Jim Murders on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. This is Neil Strauss, host of the Tenderfoot TV true crime podcast, To Live and Die in L.A. I'm here to tell you about the new podcast I've been undercover investigating for the last year and a half. It's called To Die For. Here's a clip. All these girls were sent out into the world and they were told, try to meet important men, try to attach yourself to important men. The voice you're hearing is a Russian model agent telling me about spies sent out to seduce men with political power. The war in Ukraine is also being fought by all these girls that are all over important cities. For the first time, a military-trained seduction spy reveals how the Russian government turned sex and love into a deadly weapon. If you want to kill your target, it's easy. You just seduce him, take him somewhere, start having sex and then he's very vulnerable so you can kill him easily to die for is available now listen for free on the iHeartRadio app apple podcasts 
or wherever you get your podcasts. Folks, ladies and gentlemen, whenever you read a report that says anonymous White House officials or a government official who uh, did not want to be named, that means that they're giving a leak with the with the blessing of whichever institution they originate from, and also uh, it's meant to avoid some responsibility of an official statement. So that anonymous White House official who said that, everybody, everybody in the White House was like, yeah, that's fine. Uh, yeah. But, <laughs> you know, don't say your name. Don't say you said it. Yeah, it's so weird how that works, the strategic leaking of information like that. I wish I could strategically leak information like that. I wish Man, I could just I... strategically leak. I've just been leaving a trail all over the place. <laughs> <laughs> right, that's what that was. So, yeah, sorry. Uh, yeah, so we've solved one mystery on the show already. Um, we know that <laughs> President Obama says he has a problem with Sony refusing to release the interview. You know, it's bowing to terrorism. He made a full-on statement about it. Yeah, so he officially says something later. Well, And this was the backlash I was talking about earlier, right? There were a lot of people who immediately criticized the theater chains for for pulling it out and then later criticizing Sony for saying that they were not going to release it under any format. Right. And these were people, and I include myself in this, who didn't necessarily have any desire to see the movie. They just didn't like the precedent this was setting. Mm -hmm. Personally, I didn't like the precedent of saying your threats are effective and therefore you can affect me because here 2014 was the year of the security breach. Right. Oh, yeah. You, know, yeah. you had you had so many companies hit by different security mm-hmm. breaches. Home and Depot, Microsoft, eBay, Mount Gox, Target. Uh, Target. Well, that was technically was 2013, okay. but Sorry. but it but the fallout <laughs> continued. And the CEO of Target stepped down in 2014 because of those. So we've had a whole year of security breaches, and then when you have this happen, and you have a threat, a non-specific threat come mm-hmm. in. Mm-hmm. And then you see this dramatic reaction to it. The message that sends out to everybody, the perpetrators and everybody else, is that with some effort, you, an individual or small group of individuals, can impact an enormous number of people, an entire industry of people. And that opens the floodgates for people to say, well, heck, I I could do that. I mean, even just for for giggles. Like, I don't have any ideological problem with anybody, but the thought of being able to affect that many people is really appealing to a certain group of folks. Yeah. I mean, how far away are we from a supervillain just co-opting YouTube and appearing and being like, you know, attention, America, if you do not immediately reassemble the cast of Night Court, there will be grave consequences. <laughs> yeah, I'm uh, I, I'm I'm going after PewDiePie. That's what I'm just going to appear oh, in gosh. front of all of PewDiePie's videos. Oh, boy. Don't yeah. do it. Uh, no, so, I, I would never do that. Well, I'd just like yeah. to say that it's not releasing this movie at all, if that right. is indeed what happens, which doesn't seem to be no, what's we'll, going to happen. Yeah, we'll get there. But if they tr- did that... Then it would be effectively paying a forty-seven million dollar ransom, or however much it costs to create the film, plus whatever money they would have made That's opening true. day yeah. on Christmas when everybody goes to see movies. Yeah, and I having mean, to cancel those public appearances too. Oh yeah, like the Tonight Show, they didn't go on there. All those things. It's just crazy to think if you cave to this, just what you're giving up. And the yeah. FBI comes back around, and now we're getting closer and closer to the present day because uh, they say. In a statement released on Friday, this via The Guardian, the FBI said a technical analysis of the malignant software 
known as malware. Uh, <laughs> oh, that just hurts me. Used in the attack has been linked to other malware uh, that the FBI knows North Korean actors previously developed. Uh, there were similarities in specific lines of code, encryption algorithms, data deletion methods, and compromised networks, the FBI said. I like how they explain malware, but not encryption algorithms. Yeah. yeah. Well, they didn't really explain malware. Malware, you know, that's what we used to call viruses. Yep. I use that accent because it was the Guardian. So. <laughs> yeah, yeah. so so there's another interesting phrase here. North Korean actors, this is all a slow build toward my theory. North Korean actors, uh, that's not necessarily a member of the North Korean government. No, it could that's just like be saying, someone who appears in a theatrical production of the Mikado in, <laughs> right. in North Korea. Or performs in the Arang <laughs> Festival. Or one right? super adamant North Korean dude who's just like, <laughs> no, you can't have that movie. So... Yeah, this is also something else I should point out is that code, whether or not it originates in a particular country, doesn't belong there. Like as soon as it gets out in the wild, it's out there. And, right. And people will make use of whatever works. So it's possible so, to impersonate code. It's it's well, it's impossible to to appropriate code mm-hmm. and then use it for your own purposes. In fact, there are hackers out there and, and I use hackers very loosely mm-hmm. in this sense that don't ever write any code themselves. Script they, kitties? Script kitties. They yeah. get hold of code that's been previously written and they repurpose it for something else. And often they do it with minimum alteration or maybe no alteration at all. Mm. This is a great way of saying how the Sony hack was inherently different from the DDoS attacks that brought down Microsoft Xbox Live during the same time frame, mm-hmm. because that was a simple DDoS attack, which I was telling Matt earlier, that's a, that's kind of like the equivalent of me walking up to one of you while you're trying to work and go, hey, what you doing? What you doing? Hey, what you doing? What you doing? What you doing? What you doing? What you working on? What you doing? And just doing that all day long, you can't get anything done because I'm right. irritating you, you more so than normal. You can every request. Either. Yeah, mm-hmm. and that's exactly what happens with a DDoS attack. Mm-hmm. Well, that's a that's a very unsophisticated attack, right? Mm-hmm. It's it's just throwing a hammer at somebody. This attack was much more robust, much more it, it involved way more levels than just a DDoS attack. It's much more sophisticated. Exactly. This and this is um, like sneaking in at night, setting up and booby trapping your entire house. Yeah. And then waiting till you're at work the next day and just setting it it's off. It's home alone. It's yep. what, home it's alone. alone. It's, it's Macaulay Culkin <laughs> oh. possibly involved. No, he was not involved. What was in that this. kid's name? Kevin? Was he Kevin in Home Alone? Yeah. I yeah. Think so. So now we know what Kevin's doing. He's hacking. Yeah, he's hacking into he's Sony getting, Pictures. He's getting his revenge in Hollywood for, for Home Alone Home, 3. Home Alone 7 is what he's <laughs> looking for. Uh, but no, I mean, this is the, the reason why I bring all that up yeah. is that it is possible that someone could be using code that does, in fact, have code coming from North Korea and not be connected to North Korea. Yeah, it's, that's really It's also point. possible the other way. So. Or maybe using it on purpose because it did come from North Korea. It right. could be. Yeah. And in the murky world of espionage, those kind of things are not impossible. I mean, I don't know if they're – they are possible. I think it's a leap to say they're plausible. But what, what about this? Here's an interesting statistic. Uh, North Korea has about a 1,000 email addresses. And for comparison – you can find about that many, uh, according to a recent story by NPR, you can find a thousand email addresses in maybe a block of New York City. Yeah, I mean, I've got like 40 or 50 myself. That's true. You know, wow. That's probably, that's probably an exaggeration. Right. So on the whole, uh, the North Korean population is not full of, you know, 
tech literati. Well, they're, they're, most of them are not allowed to right. have any connection to right. the internet. Uh, this, there's a couple of other interesting points that uh, have kind of unraveled over the last couple of days as we record this. One is that the, uh, the internet in North Korea suffered some major slowing down to the point where right. people were saying no one would be able to connect. And that raised questions. And, yeah. and we don't have answers for this. They raised the question of, is this at all connected to this Sony hack? Was it a retaliation? Because there was a statement of there would be a proportional response to any attack that was against the United States. So how do you, what's a, what's proportionate? To having a company have right. its, what have North its, Korean film company do you go? Yeah, after? do you do you shut down the military and government access to the internet? Because that's te- that's pretty much the only people in North Korea who have the access we're right. talking about. Uh, or was it some totally unrelated group that decided to take it upon themselves? Kind of the way North Korea was mm-hmm. saying, "Hey, it wasn't us, but whoever it was." You guys are awesome. Yeah. Um, so is is it the same thing, right. but now going against North Korea? Or could it just be a system failure that has nothing to do with any of this? And the, the, the pure answer is that we do not know. Only the people who would be responsible would know if, in fact, someone's responsible. Well, you know, there's also the there's also the possibility that due to international tensions uh, between the triumvirates here of North Korea, China, the United States. We should also add South Korea and Japan. Sure. There. Yeah. Uh, there, there's a possibility that this might be handled in backdoor channels mm-hmm. differently than it's handled in the public sphere. And this is something that quite often happens, um, in, in dealings between North Korea and many other, uh, many other countries. Uh, and I know this because during the nuclear during the last round of failed nuclear talks, mm-hmm. uh, a North Korean, um, a member of the North Korean foreign ministry and his entourage, uh, visited, uh, the school I was at at the time. And their, uh, conversation was completely different, worlds away, uh, from what you would see on North Korea's official website, uh, which you can visit and is in English and Korean. Yeah, he was telling me about that. Yeah. Uh, well, I don't know if you want to read it. But I mean, I think I think part of that is like, you know, the idea of saving face. Right. Yes, absolutely. It's, it's the whole idea of how can we diffuse the situation where no one looks like they are backing down. Right. Or apologizing mm-hmm. yeah. or, or weak. No one can look weak. Speaking of but, that, uh, on December 19th, and we were talking about this, Jonathan. Mm-hmm. North Korea offered to set up a joint inquiry with the United States to find out who was behind this hack. Yeah, they said we don't we don't uh, approve of all the things that have happened. We right. do think that they they had a noble goal in the sense that this movie is an insult, but we didn't we weren't responsible, and we will help you find out who is. And the United States said, uh, "Thanks, no thanks." But uh, yeah. but here's here's the thing: there are so many different layers here, right? Right. Yes. The layer of uh, there's the perception of whether or not North Korea is being sincere in its offer, whether sure. whether they're being uh, whether they are trustworthy, uh, whether we genuinely believe North Korea to be behind the mm. attacks. And we 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 in this room can't say whether right. or not the U.S. government genuinely believes that um, one of the things that that came up in the discussion Matt and I had was that a lot of the the. There's no smoking gun right. pointing at North, you know, pointing from North Korea for this particular 
incident that we are aware of. But that doesn't mean there isn't one. Absolutely. There could be one that the FBI is fully aware of but has not made it all public. And therefore, there it could they could be completely sincere when they say, we believe North Korea to be behind this. Hi, I'm Michael Rappaport. And I'm Kibi Rappaport. And together we're hosting Rappaport's, Rappaport's Reality, Reality Podcast. Podcast. We have a passion for reality TV, and we're inviting you into our living room. We're talking tea, we're dissecting the drama, and we're giving praise to the single greatest form of entertainment on television today. That is right. Reality TV is the greatest form of entertainment on television today. Here are some examples of what you'll hear from us on Rappaport's Reality Podcast. This is where we discuss all things reality TV, all things popular culture. And a little bit of... Rappaport's reality, the reality of bit. us. We're a figuring bit. out. And if we had been recording these last four or five days, Ooh. it, it would have been, been juicy. would have taken a, a, a left turn. Listen to Rappaport's reality with me, Kibi Rappaport. And me, Michael Rappaport, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcast. Hey, girlfriends, it's me, Carol Fisher. I'm so excited to tell you about the brand new series of The Girlfriends. In season one, we told you about the murder of Gail Katz at the hands of my ex-boyfriend, Bob. At one point, a woman's torso washed up on Staten Island and was misidentified as Gail. She spent nine years in Gail's grave, and then she just disappeared. It's almost like it's become this moral obligation to find her. And that's what we're going to do. Find this missing girlfriend and tell her story. With the help of some of your favorite girlfriends from season one, like my producer, Anna. Oh, my God. My friend, Dr. Mindy Shapiro. Hi, it's Dr. Shapiro, and I'd like to speak with the deputy medical examiner. And, of course, Gail's sister, Elaine Katz. Having no closure, it kills you. Join us as we try to solve a 35-year-old cold case. It's not going to be easy, but it's going to be one hell of a ride. (gasps) What? I can't believe this. Listen to season two of The Girlfriends, Our Lost Sister on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Scott Weinberger, journalist and former deputy sheriff. In my new podcast series, Cold-Blooded, The Apollo Jim Murders, I'm embedded in the cold case investigation into the death of firefighter Billy Halper. It's just a shame, you know, that they took him from us. Experience this investigation in a truly unique way, knocking on doors, uncovering new evidence, including the DNA of a potential killer. Uh, My name is Danny Smith. I'm a detective uh, with Miramar Police Department. This is Scott Weinberger. We're actually reopening an old case, and your name came up. Untangling secrets that may reveal the answers to not only one murder, but almost a dozen. I thought they were going to kill me, so I kept my mouth shut and I didn't say anything. All these years, I didn't say anything. Listen to Cold-Blooded, The Apollo Jim Murders on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. This is Neil Strauss host of the Tenderfoot TV true crime podcast, To Live and Die in L.A. I'm here to tell you about the new podcast I've been undercover investigating for the last year and a half. It's called To Die For. Here's a clip. 
oldest girls were sent out into the world and they were told, try to meet important men, try to attach yourself to important men. The voice you're hearing is a Russian model agent telling me about spies sent out to seduce men with political power. The war in Ukraine is also being fought by all these girls that are all over important cities. For the first time, a military-trained seduction spy reveals how the Russian government turned sex and love into a deadly weapon. If you want to kill your target, it's easy. You just seduce him, take him somewhere, start having sex, and then he's very vulnerable, so you can kill him easily. To Die For is available now. Listen for free on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Right. And what would the relationship be? I love that point because there is not an easy black and white answer. I have uh, a little bit of a theory, if you guys would like to hear it. I would Absolutely. love to hear your theory. Right, I've got great. a theory of my own. So I got one, too. So uh, Japan, right, has a... I've heard of it. Yes, yeah. you're familiar with its work. <laughs> I, <yeah. laughs> Japan has um, a large ethnic Korean population, some of whom are DPRK sympathizers. Mm-hmm. And uh, DPRK has to add a little bit to its muddy reputation abroad. Uh, it's often been found uh, as the ringleader for illegal activities such as smuggling or creation of methamphetamine, uh, creation of the so-called super notes, which were fake $100 bills that were really, really well done. And uh, it is completely possible that one uh, that one or more ethnic Koreans working in Japan work for Sony and let the, o- open the door or there was some sort of exploit that was passed along to hackers. What I don't think happened I, I just don't think that given all of the other concerns that DPRK has right now, and it has a lot, the relationship with the Soviet Union is pretty much, well, the relationship with Russia is pretty much non-existent. <laughs> right. The relationship with China is deteriorating, mm-hmm. um, especially in the wake of Kim Jong-il's death. I think this was maybe state-approved, but I don't think it was state-spearheaded. Okay. If it was... The priorities have to be way off. It's not necessarily the behavior of a rational actor unless there's more to the story. So I think what we're looking at would be contractors, maybe sympathetic hacktivists of some sort, because there are there are um, even though a lot of people don't know this, there are quite a few um sympathetic uh, North Korea sympathizers in South Korea, in Japan, some of who are legit spies, but many of whom uh, just grew up there and are just supportive of it. Fun fact, the webmaster from North Korea is from Spain. He is a Spanish national. Hmm. That's really cool. And North Korea has three web hosts, so I think it's much more likely that this attack originated from a country with better equipment. I I agree with that. I think I'll go a step further. Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, based upon the fact that we see no real mention of the interview, uh, the movie of terrorism in these early uh, attempts where the it seems like it's more of extortion. Right. Pay us or this stuff gets released. Not stop doing this horrible thing. There's no like the reason why we're doing this is because of this. Now give us money or else yeah, we'll release it. Yeah. None of that was there. Uh, I 
think that this, to me, it seems like it could be at least partially an inside job Mm -hmm. that, like you were saying, it's someone who is familiar with Sony systems. Uh, A lot of the the information I've read seems to indicate that the attackers at least had some password access to certain systems at the Mm get-go, which is not the easiest thing to get unless you already have it. Because they went through multiple systems to get this information. So. I'm I'm thinking that it was at least partially an inside job, probably not directly related to anything with the interview at the beginning. It was only to me, it seems like that was a leap on opportunity mm-hmm. after after the yeah. after other people started bringing it up. They're like, oh, wow, crap. We should totally say that's the reason. Oh, we def- um, yeah, definitely that. Yeah. Oh, that was that was our <laughs> plan the whole time. Yeah. yeah. Um, it seems like that. Right? Now, now, again, this is based on the information that's available to us. Right. And right. so we're only we're drawing some conclusions based upon limited amounts of information. If this were office space, we would have the leap to conclusions mad out and we would be yeah. jumping away. That's true. So I want to stress that because even though that's something that I personally kind of have a gut feeling about, I'm also more than happy to, I'm ready to say, look, I, I could totally be wrong mm-hmm. and it would not take a lot to prove that I'm wrong. However, just from my own perspective, this whole time, I've been a little skeptical of the North Korea Connection. I, I guess it could be like a North Korea approved thing or even a right. North Korea sponsored thing, but it just, it seems like, it seems like the actual attack and the language used as extortion at the beginning mm-hmm. and the method of embarrassing the company comes from a much more insider perspective than a, a, another com- country Absolutely. that's upset. It Absolutely. seems personal to me. Yeah. So uh, then we've got some other possibilities here, right, Matt? You're not going to let me have my theory? You guys ask. had your theories. No, that was the intro to your theory. <laughs> oh, man. Thank you for trying my theory. <laughs> I apologize. <laughs> I apologize. So I want to bring in the overall digital rights management arguments and arguments. This is someone who's upset that they put in a Sony CD way back in the day and created a backdoor <laughs> attack on their computer? No, no. Okay. It's the idea of... <laughs> this guy has been harboring a grudge since 1994. Oh, uh, yeah, that's true. I mean, uh, no. So the idea of stricter controls over the Internet sure. that have been attempted to be put into legislation in the United States several times and shot down spectacularly yeah. by the Internet a couple of times. Yeah, Sony uh, Tech are talking about it in the leaks, right? They were talking about it in the leaks, and the MPAA in general trying to uh, work kind of against Google. Uh, I don't know if you've seen not, anything not about Google, this. Not Google, Goliath. Oh, yeah, I mean Goliath. Yeah. Come on, man, be yeah, cool. Sorry. No, I haven't, heard, I haven't seen any of this. Can you tell me more about it? <laughs> tell me more about Goliath. <laughs> tell the tech guy more about Goliath. Okay, well, that's why, That's this is the main reason I wanted you to be in this room, besides okay. having all the other knowledge, Jonathan. Sure. To talk about Goliath, because right. I don't know enough about it. I've barely touched the surface on it, and Ben and I will have to do another full show just on that subject. Absolutely. So there is, to me... And this is just Matt Frederick's opinion, everybody. Mm-hmm. This seems like a an opportunity, whether or not who did it doesn't matter, um, an opportunity for those people who want stricter controls and security controls over the Internet and search controls uh, through Google for pirated material and all this stuff. Uh, it seems like a great opportunity for them to really say, hey, guys, look at all the damage this caused. Look at all the monetary and personal mm-hmm. uh, just damage that's been caused here. We need your help. Please 
secure the internet for freedom. This is uh, this is absolutely what's going to happen. You're going to see lots of companies that have a vested interest in keeping their intellectual property private from uh, you know jumping at every single possible opportunity to do so to to protect themselves, right. even at the expense of the ability for the rest of us to use the internet the way we've become accustomed to. However, that being said. It's a very difficult argument to make from that perspective simply because the damage that was done to Sony went well beyond a few movies being leaked to the Internet. Right. It, in fact, if you were to argue that that was the the major cost of the damages, everyone would laugh at you because, you know, it, it's it's hundreds of millions of dollars mm-hmm. potentially. And, you know, we've had this discussion before, too, that that a stolen movie doesn't necessarily mean a lost ticket sale. Mm-hmm. Like One, you can't guarantee that the person wouldn't go and see it anyway, or two, that the person would have seen it had they not pirated it. That's another argument. I think that it's one of those things that's going to uh, ramp up the discussion about Internet security. It's going to end up uh, having a lot of companies propose changes that would be uh, restrictive. But I don't think it's going to go much further than that. And part of the reason for that is also that we have simultaneously going on while this hack is unfolding, the ongoing discussion about reclassifying Internet in the United States as a utility, which mm-hmm. would give the FCC the authority to actually impose net neutrality rules, which were struck down at the beginning of 2014. Well, yeah, but the problem there is going to be uh, job security. I mean, who's the FCC going to work for? Like w- the individuals in the FCC uh, have to think about their career trajectory. Right. They have to figure out where, oh, how, man. where am I going to get those huge bags of money that have yeah. been left at my I mean, back you stoop? You can't walk around with an empty burlap sack well, and, a, and a cash sign on it. If anyone <laughs> from the FCC is listening, I don't necessarily ascribe, ascribe to this, uh, this, uh, scenario that Mr. Boland is putting forward. Uh, I do. I, I <laughs> do. I'll get the, uh, I'll get the email. Where uh, they'll say, "Don't release this podcast, or you will be destroyed." Yeah. <laughs> the like, podcast you, of terrorism. Yeah. Uh, do you understand how the internet works? It's already out there, <laughs> right? Oh, right. No. And I know, I know. I'm ribbing the FCC a little bit, and the uh, the people at that agency have at times done fantastic work, and it can be really difficult when there's so much money involved. Let's talk about Pro- Project Goliath, though, because you're really interested in this, and it's it's a strange it's a strange actual conspiracy, not a theory, yeah, but a group of individuals coming together to make a move on what they call Goliath. Yeah, using code words, yeah. whatever that is. Well, I mean, you got to use code words because you never know when your communications are going to get leaked. True. To the public, and if you are not covering your tracks, and everyone automatically knows you're talking about Google, then, <laughs> and granted, the the secrecy, the veil of secrecy that Goliath provided was not terribly thick. I no. mean, all of Jonathan's emails are in code. Right? Yeah, and, uh, <laughs> that's why that's why you know the subject red dog flies at one. You're like, oh, it's that art I asked for for that article. Yeah, um, <laughs> yeah, it's a uh, hey, it's a red dog flying at one o'clock. I thought it was lunch. I thought we were getting hot dogs, but you well, know, I always eat at like eleven thirty. I'm I eat early. Yeah, that's red dog at eleven thirty. <laughs> yeah, so yeah, that's Red Bull at eleven thirty. Um, yeah, no, it's it's. It, so the Goliath, the Goliath story is only partially related, partly because some of the information was gathered from this leak. Right. But it is a collection of different, really big entities. Yeah, mostly. Universal, Sony, Fox. Yeah, yeah, that are all concerned. Disney is in there too, I believe. Mm-hmm. Concerned about uh, Goliath's uh, a. <laughs> 
influence on their industry and how they can somehow mitigate that. Um, and you're right. It would go, it, there'd be a whole episode when I mean, we'd have to yeah. go into a whole episode to really yeah. talk about it. Well, maybe but. this is where we kind of tease that sometime in the future, we're going to have a Goliath episode. Yeah. Would you like to come back? For that sure. I'd we, love to. We, we'd love to have you because, uh, this, this is an interesting thing and I, and I want to just do the quick and dirty in the interest of fairness thing that we have to say. Sure. Goliath, and I can't finger quote hard enough there, and the studios opposing it along with the MPA, MPAA have differing goals, but it's not so much a moral argument on either side as it is which environment is better for our current business. Yeah. So it's no, not, I mean, not like there's a, a hero and a villain. Google, Google's slogan is don't be evil, but it is a business. And mm. we, we are the product. Just like in Facebook, you are the product. Same thing with Google. I mean, Google is not a search engine company. It's an ad company. But Jonathan, isn't money the root of all evil? I swear somebody no, said that. No, I think that's a dead no, song. you are wrong. It is the love of money that is the root of all evil. Money itself ah. is not the root of all evil. Wait, but what if, huh. okay, then what is? Quote correctly. <laughs> I'd, li- I'd like to point out while you're, while you're percolating on that one, I'd like to point out that don't be evil is a very, very different statement from be good. Sure. You can be totally amoral. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Isn't that weird that that is the, it's up there with the pursuit of happiness. Don't right? be evil. Well, I, I, to be fair, though, I mean, we're making it sound really, really sinister. But keep in mind <laughs> that we do here, John. it was a couple of college students who started Google, and they were trying to keep in mind certain values as this thing they had created ballooned well beyond their, yeah, their, their even their ambition. I mean, Ooh. they were they are really smart, really hardworking guys. But I think they'd be the first to tell you, like, you know, if you went back in time and told Sergey and Larry, hey, guys, this thing you're working on is going to mm-hmm. turn you into multi-billionaires, mm-hmm. they'd be, they'd, they'd look at you and say, what? I mean, like, this is going to take mm-hmm. up a sizable part of a city in California. I've been to the Google campus. It is enormous. Mm-hmm. Um, you've got to you know, have a car or a bike to get around from building to building because that's how big it is. And uh, this is one company. Yeah, it's it's one of those things where I think they created that slogan at a time when they were just trying to, you know, keep themselves grounded. It's just now with the benefit of hindsight, now that we see Google as this enormous entity, don't be evil starts to take on a different connotation to us. So we just got to remember the perspective. So I want to add one more thing to the fire here. All right. Uh, Do you think that the people responsible for the 2011 hack were also involved in this one? Could there be an inside person who just hasn't been caught? HR, check your employment records. Yeah, I mean, you, you never say never. It just seems to me like this was something that if if, if I stick with my insider theory, yeah, uh, it feels to me like this was something that had been building up for a while okay. for the person or persons responsible. And there was something that was a tipping point that Cause the person to say like, all right, that I'm doing it. I can't, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna let this happen anymore. Mm-hmm. I'm not gonna, um, you know, I, I'm tired of working with a company that has these policies. Now again, that only works if it fits the, my theory right. of what happened. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It could obviously be something totally different that is, I'm completely off base for and then. My answer doesn't make sense. I mean, yeah, if we're with lack of information, I think it's I think it's plausible that there was an inside person 
Um, but I'm also very curious about the evolution of this North Korean conversation because the FBI seems pretty publicly convinced. And I told Matt, I said, this could be indicative of one of two things in Mm. my mind. One is that they, in fact, do have very compelling evidence that we are just not aware of and that North Korea is, in fact, responsible. They can't release it because they illegally gathered it. Right. Whatever whatever the reasoning behind it, they have it, they know it, and we just can't be privy as to how or why. The second part is really compelling to me. The second idea is that the FBI releases this information in an effort to actually lure out the people who really did do it. The idea being that, well, if we put pressure on this group by saying that it is North Korea, then North Korea is going to respond in a very uh, antagonistic way. It's going to escalate matters. It's going to start bringing a lot more pressure on the group actually responsible. And I don't know about you, but if I were a hacker and I had caused this kind of chaos, at first I'd be thinking, man... Look at look at ha- what a bad hacker I am, man! What I, have I, I wrought? Look, look at what I affected, and then as it would snowball, I'd think, "Whoa, things are getting out of control." And then if yeah. I get to the point where there's there are people talking about using words like war and terrorism, yeah. I'm thinking this went way out of proportion of what I was expecting. I wanted to cause this company problems, but I didn't want to capitulate the war the world into war. I have become death. So then you get, but then you have this FBI group saying, well, you know, it's clearly North Korea. Meanwhile, they're thinking, all right, let's see who squirms. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Let's see which dog barks. Guys, I'm so happy that we covered this. Yeah. I, I know, especially for Ben and I, it's a little different because we generally don't cover things that are happening now. Like this is still happening. There's going to be a ton right. more information that comes out. By Nothing the time you hear this, there may be evidence that ends up making a lot of the things I said moot. It, <laughs> well, I mean, it was Bhutan the whole time. Yeah. Oh. The king of Bhutan. <laughs> but thank you so much for joining us for this conversation, everybody. Thank you. Um, and especially Jonathan. Yeah, where can people see more of your stuff, Jonathan? Uh, well, they could go to, if you want the super optimistic, happy version of the future, you should go to fwthinking.com. That's forwardthinking.com. That's where I, I look at the future in all different aspects, not just science and technology, but culture. And it is, uh, you know, kind of the bright, shiny version, not the dark, gloomy version. If you want the dark, gloomy version, sometimes I cover that on my other show, Tech Stuff, mm-hmm. which is a podcast you can subscribe to. Uh, it publishes twice a week. Which can, Ben has been on several times. Ben has been recently. on several times, yes. Uh, we did an excellent episode about ambulances. We've had a lot of positive feedback from uh, people in the industry on oh, that one. Wow, thanks. Yeah, it's great. And then uh, also you can catch me on Brain Stuff and mm-hmm. What the Stuff, where mm-hmm. I end up well, being a dude on video who talks about things in uh, weird locations occasionally. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, and you can visit you can visit those sites at How Stuff Works uh, YouTube page. Uh, there's a there's a great one you did recently for Brain Stuff on old timey voices. That was a that was ton amazing. of fun. The transatlantic accent, mm-hmm. and it's, it got a lot of really great feedback. It was featured quite a few times in different places. Uh, and also keep an eye out. There will be a what the stuff that comes out in which Ben and I both appear in the same episode. Oh, oh yeah. Man. I just saw that picture. That's a <laughs> weird one. Um, so speaking of feedback, we would love to hear uh, your take on the North Korea, uh, well, the alleged <laughs> North Korea hacks in, in Sony. So find us on Facebook and Twitter where we are Conspiracy Stuff. Check out our podcast on our blog or iTunes. 
However you get there. Uh, don't forget, even though our audio is awesome, we have a regularly recurring video show. I don't know how I made it through that one. <laughs> uh, and you can find us on YouTube at Conspiracy Stuff. Right? And also, don't yes. forget, we have shirts now. So oh, uh, you, if you go to stufftheydontwantyoutoknow.spreadshirt.com, the longest URL that you will <laughs> love, uh, buy some shirts if you wish. Uh, it would support us and make us really happy. And Remember, these are shirts they don't want you to buy. That's exactly <laughs> what it says <laughs> You're on higher, our YouTube buddy. channel. <laughs> <laughs> that's uh, Yeah, someone did say that in the YouTube comments because they said you had a chance to pick a new URL and you went with that <laughs> one. <laughs> we, didn't, we didn't get to choose it, you guys. We didn't. It's not our fault. But anyway, mm. thank you so much again. Can't read it enough. Thank you for joining us. We hope your holiday was great and still is great at the end of it right now. And, uh, you know, write to us if you don't like social media and all that stuff. We, you can always send us an email. We are conspiracy at howstuffworks.com. For more on this topic and other unexplained phenomena, visit youtube.com slash conspiracy stuff. You can also get in touch on Twitter at the handle at Conspiracy Stuff. Hi, I'm Michael Rappaport. And I'm Kibi Rappaport. And together we're hosting Rappaport's, Rappaport's Reality, Reality Podcast. Podcast. We have a passion for reality TV, and we're inviting you into our living room. We're dissecting the drama, and we're giving praise to the single greatest form of entertainment on television today. That is right. Reality TV is the greatest form of entertainment on television today. Listen to Rappaport's reality with me, Kibi Rappaport. And me, Michael Rappaport, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcast. I'm Scott Weinberger, journalist and former deputy sheriff. In my new podcast series, Cold-Blooded, I'm embedded in the cold case investigation into the death of firefighter Billy Halper. Experience this investigation in a truly unique way, untangling secrets that may reveal the answers to not only one case, but almost a dozen. Listen to Cold-Blooded, The Apollo Jim Murders on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Imagine you're a fly on the wall at a dinner between the mafia, the CIA, and the KGB. That's where my new podcast begins. This is Neil Strauss, host of To Live and Die in L.A., and I wanted to quickly tell you about an intense new series about a dangerous spy taught to seduce men for their secrets and sometimes their lives. From Tenderfoot TV, this is To Die For. To Die For is available now. Listen for free on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. As important as choosing the right destination when traveling is choosing the right travel partner. Gene! Gene Fodor! Gene was good! But be careful, because the worst trips result when two partners have two different agendas. The CIA really need your help, Gene. Freeze, Americano! Gene, run! Listen to Fodor's Guide to Espionage on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.